Hey guys, it's me, Amanda. I am back. I was MIA for a while there. I got a bunch of friends hyped, excited about the this podcast idea, Solo Female Travel, and then I ghosted you, which, oh man, not a good look, not a good habit ghosting. Um, but here I am, trying to creep back into your life, hoping you'll give me a second chance, you know, I was depressed, just going through some things, you know, um, what do they usually say, something along those lines, but I still want to fuck, <laughs> just kidding, guys, I always wanted to fuck you, I never stopped, um, so thank you for your patience and understanding, and I'm going to try to dip my toe back into the water, maybe my calf, maybe my mid-thigh if I'm feeling frisky, maybe I'll just jump all the way in, because that is actually the best way to jump into cold bodies of water. So I think we all know that. Waiting in is never effective. I am hoping that everybody is doing well out there in spite of COVID, and that has put a little bit of a slowdown down on my ability to get guests who want to meet in person, and that's totally safe and understandable and responsible. So I think everything's a bit challenging for everybody right now, uh, and I am just hoping that everybody is hanging in there and that we're all staying as positive as possible during these unprecedented times. I mean, at this point, it's precedent in, like, what's been, what, like, over a year? Okay, so let's give this another shot. Hey! Welcome to Solo Female Travel, a weekly campfire chat about the experience of transforming from an outsider to a woman of power, paying respect to the great motherfucking outdoors. I'm your host, Amanda R., proudly crushing rural America as a queer woman of color since 1989. This podcast is inclusive of all genders and exists to hold a space for inspirational community members who are passionate about female empowerment. Out the gate, I'm focused on covering topics that range from outdoors womanship, solo travel, mental health, sex and dating, entrepreneurship, activism, and more. Let's hit the trail, y'all. So today's episode I've titled, I live in my car, because that's true. That's a development that happened four months ago. I am privileged uh, that the situation is one of choice rather than uh, displacement due to coronavirus or some other tragic life event. So no disrespect is intended by me talking about this lifestyle, Um to those people who are struggling and do not want to be living out of their vehicles. So I'm here for them as well. If anybody is listening who just wants advice about how to make that a little bit easier while you're dealing with it, even though you have hopes to get back into your house or to a house sometime soon. And I wish everybody the best of luck with that. Hopefully we're all hanging in there. I realize that this is a very difficult time. Uh, personally trying to stay positive and, um, that I know can sound a little cringy, just like just stay positive, but 
um, yeah, my family has definitely been affected by illness and, and, uh, some of it coronavirus and it's been challenging. So I think we all have definitely been affected on one level or another. Um, some of course worse and more tragically than others. And to all of those people, uh, my heart definitely goes out. I've compiled a list of frequently asked questions that I've been sent through the solo female travel pod Instagram or through my personal Instagram by friends who know what I'm doing, how I'm living, um, and a few specific questions from, um, followers that, uh, have, you know, a little bit more detailed questions that they want to ask that aren't so fundamental or vague. So, um, this episode will just be me kind of talking, um, and I'll try to keep that interesting for you guys. I know that sometimes it can be a little boring to hear one person drone on and on. So thank you for your patience while, while I'm, while I'm navigating this new space. Okay, first question that I'm asked often is, how long do you think that you'll do this for live out of your vehicle? Uh, well, I have a relatively comfortable situation. I live in my 1995 Forerunner um, with my two dogs, and I don't know how long I'll do this. I live in an area where cost of rent is pretty high, but I really like this area. It's close to my workplace and my um, social community. So I'm planning on staying here as permanently as possible. I I have decided that I am going to wait for the right place, for the right price, for the needs that I have, and then commit to it. Um, and I am just resigned to live out of my vehicle until that comes along. I have experience doing this, uh, living out of my car, uh, before this four month segment that I've been doing it. So I have some skills that, uh, are serving me well right now. And as of, as of the moment, I feel comfortable with it and I can't really put an end date on it. I think it just depends on finding the right thing and we'll have to go from there. Uh, and that is, that's the best I can say on that. I, it's not something that I dislike, so I think that I think that that's um, that is the most reasonable answer I can come up with for that. How do you choose where to park your vehicle? This, I believe, depends on preference. For me, I choose to stay further away from uh, developed areas, and in Deschutes County, where I live, there are a lot of wilderness areas. I choose BLM land or national forest land, where the law is that you're allowed to stay in a dispersed campsite for two weeks, or to just develop your own site for two weeks, um, and then you have to move five air miles away to reduce the impact on the land. Uh, that's one of the main reasons. Um, and so I like to choose places that are further away from people, um, where I can just enjoy the solitude and not be disturbed or interrupted. And that's how I choose. I, if ideally something with a nice view is, is fun, um, just wherever you feel comfortable is what I recommend. And for some, I think that would be closer to people because they feel safer around them. It just depends on, yeah, your level of comfortability and what feels right to you. How do you cook and what do you eat? So I cook with a small propane 
canister um, and the, an attachment that's sold separately. The attachment is something that you can use until it no longer functions. I acquired that from a sporting goods store for about $20. You can find them really, yeah, it's affordable. And the canisters for propane and the attachment are usually sold next to each other. Like I said, in any sporting goods department of a major part department store or, you know, a specific sporting goods store like REI or Sportsman's Warehouse or something like that. So definitely that's, it's a very simple setup. What I eat is a lot more basic when I'm living this lifestyle. The point is not to cook elaborate meals. It's to eat food to sustain myself for having to have energy. So that's just a sacrifice that I've accepted as a part of what I'm doing. And if I want to have an elaborate meal, I mean, I have a job I could go for takeout or maybe go over to a friend's house and offer to cook them dinner. Um, which that's not a super accessible option because of coronavirus. But if you have people that you are, you know, quarantined with, uh, other than, other than just yourself, that is definitely an option. So I don't have a full setup like I would in a house. It's just very basic, a cutting board, a knife, utensils to eat. And I've acquired some lightweight cooking, camping pans uh, over the years, and I have a couple of those. And uh, as far as what I eat, I have some staples that I like to keep around. Obviously, there's the go-to ramen, you know. Um, I try to always have fresh eggs handy because if I do have to eat ramen, I like to put eggs in them. Also, rice and other dehydrated things like beans. And then I go to the store and buy fresh produce that I want to implement into a meal or if or pro, a protein of some, some type. If you're a meat eater, you can buy, you know, meat. And, and then once you learn to use the propane uh, stove attachment, it's very simple. It's just like, you know, high flame, low flame, and then in between, um, you just have to adjust to using it and, and learning to, learn to cook on it is very simple. You probably wouldn't take anybody much more than a day. But if that sounds too primitive and you prefer something uh, a little bit more advanced, um, there are other types of propane stoves that come in larger sizes with um, fuller burners. So if you have larger um, receptacles that you want to cook in, pots or pans, um, you can do that. And those vary, of course, in price. The all... Uh, <laughs> Freeze-dried meals are something you can also buy close to, to the stoves in the camping section, and um, those are not something that I recommend eating multiple times a day or even daily because uh, they, I mean, they will sustain you. They do contain nutrients, but uh, I believe that too many of those will make you, um, I don't think it's good for your digestion. It'd probably make your stomach hurt or just constipate you. Um, so I, I try not to do that regularly, but it's nice to have a few of those just in case you didn't have time to go to the store and you're hungry and you need to eat something for dinner that night. How do you get clean water? So, clean water is very important, fundamental part of living outside. I personally have a 
water filter. I tried to uh, post up somewhere close to a water source, like a creek, and then I will filter in what is a gravity filter. It's a platypus is the brand. Um, and basically how that works is that you have two bags, one that you fill from your source, um, and and that has an outgoing hose that attaches to the filter. The water runs through that. There's a hose going out of the bottom of the filter with clean water into, you feed that into the second bag for clean water, and it just fills in that way with gravity. It's unlike the maybe filters that you're familiar with, like the older like hand pump ones. I don't know, they look like a penis pump from, from Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so those, those are, I think you can still purchase them, but I really like this because it's less effort and I can kind of walk away from it, let it do its thing and walk back to it and then just refill it until I have enough water to fill my reservoir. I have a seven gallon reservoir. Uh, if I'm not closer to a water source, I will uh, make a trip into town, um, fill the water either at work or a friend's house, um, or if I'm wanting to sneak around a little bit and go to the back of a building and see if there's a water spigot and fill that up. Because uh, COVID is happening, there aren't actually ways to go fill inside a store or purchase water, uh, just because it's a a disease transmission hazard so that does make it a little bit more challenging but there are always ways to find clean water you can purchase water i've done that from time to time but i you know i prefer not to if i can help it and you know because then you're dealing with all the packaging of the the plastic pack packaging that comes along with that and then you have to find somewhere to get rid of that so another alternative is iodine tablets which will treat treat water and a lot of people use those with backpacking they have as a backup option they don't taste good they don't make the water taste good but it does ensure the safety of the water that you're drinking so they're great in a pinch uh, say you were out on a multi-day trip and your filter was broken or not working or something you have those as an option just to make sure that you aren't drinking contaminated water and exposing yourself to the risk of giardia which is no fun if you don't know what that is it, it hurts your stomach and um it makes you shit everywhere and lastly an option for cleaning water is just to boil it i don't prefer that it's less efficient especially if you have limited propane for your uh stove it just it is more costly and t it takes time consuming so but that is a way that you can you can have access to clean water so if you are close to a source and that's your only option it is safe to boil water and then wait for that to cool and drink or use it for cooking do you just take baths in a river or what how do you stay clean so the river bath is the ever-present option it can be very cold depending on the season right now it's February so that is cold there there have been times I will jump into some cold water in in the winter time I try to make an event of it though uh, just to get myself excited and try to have a little bit of fun with it find a place that's desolate and uh, build a small fire and then jump in and make it quick so you don't uh, 
I like to make it quick so I don't get get sick, uh, and then jump out, dry off by the fire, and get dressed. Um, that's a way just to rinse off, I would say, this time of year. But if it's warmer, you know, you can stay in the water for longer and actually fully wash yourself. There is There are specific types of soap that need to be used if you're going to be putting it into a water source. You can research those online. I don't have brands off the top of my head, but I do have um, one. It's a concentrate, and it just requires a small amount. Um, and so you can use that in, in river flowing water. I have access to a park, a public park that is close to my location, just a short drive where there are public showers that you can pay for. So it, I, well, I'm willing to pay, you know, a dollar for two minutes of hot water and just keep adding quarters until I'm nice and clean. Before that, I had purchased a solar shower where you just fill the tank and then you can fill a lot of these you can fill with hot water and use use it that way I had a wooden pallet set up and then the solar shower I would I would set there and then hook the spray nozzle to a tree so it was above my head and then uh, put that into the on position shower quickly that way my my eight-month-old puppy decided to chew up the hose so I was shut out of luck after he destroyed that expensive piece of gear I also do have friends in the area who were generous enough to let me use their facilities, but it's not something I like to really rely on because I don't want to invade their space, even though they were more than happy to let me. I just like to be more self-sufficient than that. So I was really lucky in that I found the um, the showers in the public park, and I recommend just stopping into public parks nearby where you're staying and and you'd be surprised at how many places do actually have facilities like that, especially if they're uh, close to an outdoor community like this one, where uh, there are multiple multiple people living off of the grid and need access to that that type of resource. So, if I didn't have that option and I didn't have the option of using a friend's space, I would jump. I would make sure that I get clean in the river. One thing that I just have to accept about this lifestyle is that I'm just not going to be clean as frequently as I would be if I lived in a house. Um, and so another thing to go on the list of sacrifices made if you choose this lifestyle. But um, yeah, I guess just resign to the grind or embrace the suck, as they say. It's it's more you yeah, balance the reward the rewards versus the the struggles or the sacrifices that you have to make. And for me, it's just something that's worth it. If I'm going to work, I definitely make sure that if I'm going to have to be like anywhere, anywhere within six feet of anyone at any given time, I want to try to be as clean as possible so that I don't offend them with any type of uh, bad outdoor smell. Plus, uh, staying clean is a little bit challenging with two dogs who sleep in the vehicle with me because we're outside all the time and one of my dogs sheds. So uh, I have to wash and launder my bedding and clothes multiple times a week. And that is that is something that I am okay with doing. And, you know, there are laundromats in pretty much every every small town USA. So I, I can access that as well. Yeah, always have quarters on hand, I guess, is the, is the lesson, the takeaway. Ooh, okay. So I like this question because it is about sex and dating. And I 
Anyone who knows me knows I can barely make it through a sentence without mentioning sex. Just a sex-positive person. Really enjoy talking about it. So this question is, how do you date? Do you just hook up in the woods or what? <laughs> and the answer to that question, um, well, I guess the first the first answer, how I date, it, it's not much different than how I date uh, any other time of my life. I guess I am a little bit more specific selective in this capacity because I am, I am, I, I just, I try to date people who are, I'm compatible with in multiple ways and in living outside, it does, it consumes so much of the time that I'm, I'm awake during the day that I don't really want to, uh, I don't really want to date people who don't understand it. Um, and that's kind of a new development. If it were more of a app dating swipey situation where I'm living, um, on grid in a house, it wouldn't matter as much because there's a simple solution. Um, if I don't want that person in my space, I can just say, I can't host. I think that's the common thing. You say you can't host. Um, but so I slowed down on casual dating, especially because of COVID, um, being the primary reason. And I, I, so, so currently I'm just trying to limit the amount of partners that I have. And ideally you find one that, you know, is safe and, takes the virus seriously enough to protect themselves and protect you. And so I try to um, just interact with people who have enough compassion and care for me specifically that they want to keep me safe and protected, which is a good policy for dating in general um, as far as STIs are concerned and your general safety and well-being and people who respect me um, and the choices that I've made. If I... Um, if I, I have to take responsibility for the partners that I choose. Um, if I want to bring somebody into my life, I have to be prepared to understand that they may or may not, um, want to do or understand or partake in the activities that I do, um, outside all of the time. I, I, so that's definitely something that I apply to just dating in general. Um, and as far as hooking up in the woods, uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I mean, well, for, for example, a while ago, I met up with someone that, uh, was also living out of their vehicle, and we met up, and we just sent it on a bottle of whiskey, and then he fucked me over the tailgate of his truck, so (laughs) that's an option, um, I, I like, personally like having sex outdoors, that's not for everybody, but I like it, I think that the sensation, sensations are heightened. There's more stimulus happening outside than there would be in the controlled environment that is a bedroom. So, you know, um, when you're getting to it, you're not necessarily cold, say, if it's a a cold day, um, because your body is active. But, you know, maybe a breeze blows across your nipples or your taint. (laughs) And, and that's, uh, that's an interesting contrast to, to having sex. And, um, or maybe it's sprinkling outside, or maybe the temperature is low, but, uh, in the excitement of the moment, I think I try to use that for my, to my advantage for arousals purposes. And, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people like to have sex outdoors, even people who live inside houses, just because it's a change of scenery. It can be exciting to do something different. Um, so, but if you haven't tried it and it's something that you want to do, I, I recommend, I recommend if you're comfortable just to have some sex outside, see how it feels.
And I just can't stress enough, uh, if you are living outside, like me, and you're looking for someone to have sex with, compatibility is everything. You want to make sure you get along with whoever it is, and you want to make sure they aren't going to shame you for living outside. Does your work know that you are homeless, and are they weird about it? Yes, my work knows, and no, they're not weird about it. That is, that is some fortune, some good fortune right there. I, I happen to, I work in seasonal agriculture, and that line of work does employ a lot of transient type people like myself, because that type of flexibility just makes you more valuable to your employer when you're working when you're working seasonally, um, just to be able to be mobile and, um, and kind of pick up and go wherever the, wherever the job, whenever the job needs or calls for you. So, uh, and the people that I work for are very kind and they are my friends and they, you know, love and care about me as an individual, not just a, a part of, of their company. Um, and so, so that is, like I said, very lucky, very fortunate. And, um, I think if anything, they just want to empower me in the choices that I make. So that is, I mean, they express concern. And I know if I really were in a spot where I needed help, I could reach out to them. But if it's something that you're considering, but you do think your employer would be, would be strange about it or make you feel bad about that choice, I would probably not tell them. Um, I've, I've, um, I've lived out of my vehicle and worked other places where I didn't feel comfortable talking about what I do, where I sleep, and I didn't say it. And that's, that sucks. That's unfortunate because it's like, I mean, nobody wants to be penalized or punished for doing something that makes them happy or doing something that is a necessity. Um, but I guess that's just a choice that, that uh, people have to make for themselves. And to answer the question, like, you know, for me personally, it's everything's okay. Um, and super grateful for that. What do you do all day? Aren't you bored? <laughs> um, so once I adjusted to living an outdoor lifestyle, something that I noticed was that life just seemed to slow down. The pace just seemed to kind of like tick by more slowly. And there are a lot of things like acquiring resources um, that take up a lot of time. Uh, during the day, so I'm not as bored as maybe someone would think, because simple tasks like getting water or cooking a meal take longer than they would if you just had all of that at, you know, if you just had a faucet you could turn on, or if you just have, uh, you know, a stove right there hooked up in your house. So that that actually is not something that I don't deal with boredom a whole lot. There are some days when I've already collected all the resources that I need and I have extra time when I feel a little bit um, stir crazy, I guess you could say. But I try to use that time as a way to just sit with my feelings um, and and kind of just see what, see what comes up for me if I'm feeling sad about something to try and sit through it. Or, you know, living in the woods, I have access to all of this public land. So 
I, maybe I just go for a hike with the dogs. Yeah, I do that almost every single day. Go for a hike with the dogs, take them out, watch them get some exercise. I get some exercise. Um, also, uh, some places that I decide to stay do have um, cell service, and I pay for a package where I have unlimited data. So, I mean, I can watch TV. Growing up in the cult, um, we didn't actually have access to television, and so sometimes TV is a little bit too... Uh, overstimulating for me. It makes me feel uh, tired, but I I do still watch it. Like I have you know subscriptions to Hulu, and I have like a, a friend's Netflix account that I can use, um, and that definitely keeps me busy if I really am at a point where I feel bored. Um, I also have my guitar. I can play my guitar, like sing some songs, learn some covers, maybe try to write a little bit of something. That's one thing I really like about this is when there is extra time. I I don't necessarily I'm not going to go out and try to find something to do with people not only because um it's not necessarily like responsible with covid but you know it just it it's just a real it's a great opportunity it's an exercise in stillness and sitting with yourself and um and so I think that that's one of the biggest rewards actually that I have is is this time the the free time that I do have to try and work on myself either mentally emotionally or or work on a creative skill that I have Oh, okay. So, um, some people ask me about my dogs. Quite a few people actually want to know how the dogs are doing. Um, and I think it's a funny question. How are my dogs doing living outside? Um, how do you think my dogs are doing living outside? (laughs) They love it. It's great. They're, they're, I think that they are living their best life right now. I have a 12-year-old Beagle Lab mix named Burke, and he is a sweet and gentle hound. I don't know what I did in this life to deserve him. Probably nothing. It just happened. Uh, and an eight-month-old Corellian bear dog named Flint. Um, he is he is learning. We could say he's learning to be a good dog. Um, I guess he's a puppy, so all part of the process. And I really appreciate them for the service that they provide. They both are loud dogs. They bark quite a bit, and that's annoying, I think, to a lot of people, a barking dog. But living this lifestyle, I want to know when people are approaching and animals are approaching and they take their job pretty seriously. I think it makes them feel important and it makes me feel safe. So we're all happy. Do you ever get tired of living outside? Do you ever want to just go in and sleep in a bed? Um, So this question is... It makes sense. I understand the the perspective that people who are used to being inside would definitely think it would get really old. And I guess to those people, what I would say maybe is I would reverse or flip the question and say, do you ever get tired of being inside? Do you ever just want to go camping or get out? I mean, some people would say no because they just don't like that. But a lot of people, most people do want to get out in nature and enjoy it. So I guess the answer is that, yeah, there are definitely times when I get tired of doing the same thing every day. But I don't think it's any different than any other way of living. Monotony is something that we have to um, combat uh, by switching up switching up activities sometimes. So it's definitely uh, true that I get tired of it after a while, but because I like it and because I'm comfortable and in my element here, overall, I just enjoy it. And I try to just accept the things about it that are uncomfortable, just like life. Like, 
um, a life, a lot of parts of life suck, and we have to just accept that they suck, and that they're uncomfortable, and that we maybe want to change them, or they maybe they're boring, or something like that. I don't opt for hotels very often. On occasion, I will do that. I just want to, like, I want to get in hot water or something, you know, like a hot tub or something like that. But, you know, again, COVID, like staying in a hotel isn't particularly safe. So it's not something I do very often. I think in the past four months, I've stayed in a hotel twice. So yeah, it's something that it's something that I definitely like to switch up. I like to, um, I like to make changes so that things stay fresh. But overall, overall, I like this. This is what I'm doing. You know, I'm just, I've committed to it. I've accepted it. I have accepted the list of sacrifices that I'm making. And every time I'm uncomfortable, I can't just opt for a hotel because that like wouldn't be frugal or, you know, financially responsible. Even though, I mean, I don't know, I could probably get a go hotel once a week and still pay less than I would in rent in Deschutes County, <laughs> uh, per month. But, um, yeah. Also, it would be dishonest to not mention that I'm, I'm a pretty girl. Um, if I, if there's someone, if there's a suitor who wants to, uh, have a, some, an evening of carnal pleasure with me, um, I mean, uh, a lot of guys have beds, so, um, like I said, if I, if I have a partner that I've chosen, um, who wants to spend time with me, then, yeah, sometimes I can sleep in, in their bed, because, you know, I don't fuck and then leave, that's, like, way, that's above my pay grade, <laughs> that would, that would require some sort of, um, financial compensation for me to go to someone's house and fuck them and not stay the night, so, yeah, um, I guess that could be rerouted back to the question of dating. Sometimes I do sleep in uh, a bed with a man. Does your family worry about you and do you feel safe? So my family and I are not very close. Um, my family lives back in my home state of Michigan. I'm the only one that ventured out, and I did that um, 11 years ago when I was 20 years old. So I've been on my own supporting myself this whole time, and um, and I, I think I was just raised in a much more conservative way than um, I live today. So I'm so different from my family that, um, that I think that they expect me to always be doing something that they think is nuts. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my mom, uh, definitely would worry about me, but she doesn't know that I live outside. She thinks that I just go camping a lot. I'm not hiding it from her because I'm afraid she'll be angry with me. I just want to protect her, I guess, from the worry that I know she would have about me because she's a mom. It's natural for her to worry about me. And, um, she does have a lot of anxiety just in general about my safety. So, um, that's just my way of trying to protect her. I'm sure she'll find out eventually and then we'll have to 
to cross that bridge when we come to it. But my my dad and siblings are quite outdoorsy, and I think that if anything, they would give me some solid props and respect for for the lifestyle that I've chosen, even if it is unorthodox and um and and just goes against the uh, the grain, I suppose. Generally, I do feel safe, and part of that is because of the locations that I choose. I I um I worry a lot more about about people than I do predators, um, animal predators, wildlife. Um, just because you never really know why people are out wandering around the woods. So um, when I feel like I'm completely alone, I actually feel the safest, and. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do feel safe. I feel safe with the dogs. I feel safe with the knife that I carry. I feel safe with the bear mace. Um, and that's the way I've chosen to protect myself. And, um, it, it's, it's probably not enough for some people to think it's that I should have more. I should have a gun or something like that. And something that I've considered is, um, is being, coming licensed to carry a weapon, but, uh, for now, this feels right to me, and, and so to answer your question, yes, I feel safe. I try not to be naive about safety concerns. I know that danger is always present, no, no matter what I'm doing, so I, I don't, I don't want to be cocky or naive, um, I just, I just want to live and enjoy every minute and this is a way that I've actually found that I'm able to do that uh, more more regularly than when I'm living a traditional lifestyle. Do you run into bear and cougar often? Um, okay so no I don't. Um, I, I know that animals are always out there. Um, bear are louder, more clumsy. You can hear them coming from further away. Um, if there is something I worry about, it would be a cat. Um, when I have to get out to use the restroom in the middle of the night, I always take the dogs with me just in case. Um, and so I always feel safe if I'm, if I'm peeing. (laughs) Uh, and, um, but but no I don't I don't I've only encountered one cougar and it was not a face-to-face interaction and that was a few years ago in southern Oregon so I know they're out there um and and I just try to always be aware looking up and looking up around and listening Okay, this one, oof, this one's a little gross, but living outside's a little gross, so I deal with it, I guess. How do you poop, and what do you do when you're on your period? Okay, so pooping is, pooping is pooping. You, you're, when you, it's the same as pooping on a toilet, except there's no toilet underneath you. Um, it takes some time to get used to, um, squatting in that in a position where you're not gonna topple over and poop, um, but I guess you just do it, um, and I generally walk a ways away from camp where I feel comfortable and, like, I won't be seen, there's usually no one around, no one's gonna see me poop, but, um, I, I just, I guess out of habit, walk, walk away from my camp, and, uh, then I, I 
pack out my shit. I don't leave it there. I don't dig cat holes, especially because um, when I find a spot, I want to try and stay for as long as I can, and I don't want um, human shit scattered all around my campsite. It's just not really wise or responsible to do that. Um, I would. I have used cat holes if, if if it was a one-time situation or kind of an emergency um, and I didn't have the tools that I needed to pack out but I just really leave no trace I guess is important and um, it's similar when I'm on my period that can be uncomfortable especially if it's cold outside if I have any cramping or discomfort I try to stay in the car and just stay warm like I would any other time um, that I was having a period, stay warm, stay comfortable, rest as much as I can. Um, and same with tampons, like definitely packing those out. Um, it It's gross. It's kind of, you know, it's hands-on. It's a an up-close look, I guess, at, at the directly the impact that humans have on on the environment that they live in um you know there's no toilet you can't just flush it and have it be gone from you um it there's a more of a process with you know hand washing is definitely important so i you know, i make an effort to part of that water that i collect goes to hand washing and the soap you know that all has to happen right afterwards and keeping uh hand sanitizer disinfectant wipes close by to um clean up and um and yeah packing everything out and disposing disposing of it off-site somewhere else usually in a dumpster <laughs> um and trying to buy things that have less packaging in general so tampons with less packaging they do make make them they're a little bit more expensive but it's worth it in my opinion also i don't mind buying single roll toilet paper that's wrapped in paper because i can always use that paper later on to um start a fire or something um rather than a you know large uh amount of toilet paper that's in plastic because i don't really want to burn that and so if if you were to do this and you wanted to pack out your shit and tampons too um, I would recommend getting, you can just get bags similar to, the same as what you would use to pick up after your pet, um, and use those to clean up after yourself and just kind of apply the same concept. Like if you, sh if, if, if you shit, then you pick it up and you take it with you. Um, and then put it into a sealed receptacle somewhere where it does not interfere with like the smell inside your car. Um, and make sure that the outside of the container is clean so that when you do transport it to throw it away that you're not spreading bacteria. If you want to talk to somebody about um, really advanced outdoor shitting, you should talk to an aggressive rock climber and ask them about big wall shits. <laughs> I'll go through my Rolodex. Maybe I can get a a, a blurb from one of uh, the rock climbing friends that I have and ask them if they want to record a quick segment um, and and tell you all about it. We'll we'll see if we can update that in a future episode. Do you think that your health is negatively or positively affected by being outdoors all the time? I think that my mental health is greatly improved by doing this. Um, I think that my physical health is improved. I'm a lot more active. Um, I My emotional health as well. I mean, that emotional mental health are, can be kind of the same. Um, I, I think if 
there is an aspect of my health that is negatively affected. It would just be like skin health because I'm not very good at remembering to put sunscreen on. Um, and contrary to popular belief, black people can get skin cancer. So <laughs> we still should be wearing sunscreen even if we don't burn and wrinkle or whatever as fast. I don't know. I, it's all sounds, that sounds weird. So, uh, but yeah, sunscreen is something that I don't remember to do as much as I should. And so, yeah, I think my skin health probably is compromised by being constantly outdoors. Okay, so that's the end of the questions that I'm asked regularly by multiple people. I kind of just compiled those over the weeks and months that people have been asking me what I'm up to. Um, next, I'm going to ask a couple, answer a couple from some friends. Um, this one comes from my friend Megan Hoffman. Um, she is, man, she's a real one, heart of gold. She asked me, is there anything that you need to make you more comfortable. Um, man, that, like, just being asked, I guess. Um, I, I can, I have difficulty asking for help, so sometimes people just checking on me and asking how I'm doing, asking me if I need anything, mean, I mean, that means so much. Um, and it forces me to actually sit back and sit with myself and assess my needs and see if there is anything that I could ask someone to help me do rather than trying to do everything myself and then getting it over my head and being exhausted, you know? Um, so, Megan, thank you so much. I love you. And that is, I don't, I can't think of anything that I need right now besides just support um, and not, I think that people sometimes think that, um, someone who's willing to live outside, live out of their car, um, have less contact with people that, that people like that might be a little bit nuts. And I mean, I am a little, I am a little bit nuts, but I still want to know that, um, that the people who love and care about me know that I, I mean, I'm not completely feral. <laughs> I'm almost completely feral, but, but not quite. And, and I do still like, you know, a, a belly rub or like a scratch behind the ear. Um, and I probably won't bite your fingers off. Another friend of mine uh, asked anonymously, what is the best part about living outside? And what is the hardest part about living outside? And this took me some time to come up with an answer for. I think that the best part about it is how free and independent I feel. And how it meeting all of my needs and slowing everything down um, and being self-sufficient really does help boost my confidence. So that helps me in all of my interpersonal relationships, actually, in the way that I approach people with more um, clarity and peace of mind and, and knowing that I can be secure in my abilities with or without those people and that I'm choosing to surround myself with the people I'm choosing to surround myself with because they make me feel good. So... Um, I know that I don't have to rely on people, um, but I choose to, and, and I think that that's the best part. It, it just helps me really assess, uh, the folks that I, that I want to have around me and the people who I choose to be in my support system and every, from everything, from platonic to romantic, like sexual partners, all of it, I just feel like I make better choices. The hardest part um, that I can think of right now, there are a lot of difficult things about this lifestyle, and I think I've probably listed a lot of those in 
answering some of the other the other questions. But the hardest parts that I'm thinking of right now is are those moments of quiet when I have feelings of sadness come up from traumas that I've experienced in my life, like childhood or relationships. Um, and I have these moments of silence when I have to be still and let, let them come up and, um, and feel, and feel it, feel, feel it hurting. Um, it's not so easy to distract myself. Like a lot of times I don't have self-service, so I can't just, you know, scroll through the gram or, something like that. Um, I have to be where I'm at and feel it. Um, and so that can be really difficult. Uh, and I guess maybe it's both the best and the worst thing maybe are almost the same sometimes in that like being alone all the time can be a little bit hard. (laughs) I do like people. And so as much as I love being alone, I also kind of, I also kind of hate it. So, um, Yeah, hopefully that is sufficient. And the last question um, that comes from a specific friend of mine named Lola. Um, She, ooh, the dogs are barking. Yeah, they're not barking at anything. They're just barking. Lola asked me, um, what advice would I give to my past self? um, about, about living outside or doing solo outdoor life. And I think that I would say that like every part of life, it's going to be challenging and difficult. And like, you'll feel afraid sometimes. And sometimes you'll be afraid of maybe a physical, um, threat, but mostly it's going to just be scary to sit with yourself and, and know that you'll, when the time comes for you to spend that time outside, um, that you'll be emotionally well prepared for that. And that, um, and that it's going to be fine. Like you're going to love it. It's super rewarding. Enjoy the time with your, your dogs. You're awesome. You're strong. Uh, you're beautiful. And this experience of living outside is exactly what you need to believe help you believe that about yourself. You know, I would say that this is the ultimate test of knowing my having self-worth, uh, building self-worth and character and knowing that the validation that I need really does come from accomplishing a difficult task, even if it's four months of living outside. Um, so thank you Lola for that. So I had to really think about speaking nicely to my past self Uh, and encouraging her to enjoy this part of life. Okay, so that's all on the list of questions that I have for this first episode of Solo Female Travel. Thank you very much for everybody who made it to the end, and thank you for um, supporting me and uh, being interested in in what I'm doing. Um, I it was difficult actually to talk about myself for almost a full hour, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm glad I'm glad y'all care. I'm glad y'all care about me, um, and I'm glad y'all care about what I'm doing, because it's something that I want everybody to, like, 
get to try if they want to. And if you have any specific questions that weren't answered, please hit me up at solo female travel pod on Instagram, or you can email me at solo female travel pod at gmail.com. Um, and I check both of those pretty regularly. Um, also I do a lot of like, um, outreach through Instagram. Um, so if you want to send me a DM, things that you'd like to hear talked about or, um, guests that you like to have, like to hear speak on their life experiences moving forward. I'm going to be interviewing people when I have the opportunity or equipment that I can use, um, for recording over the phone because we don't know how long all this corona is gonna last and I don't know I kind of want to like talk to some bad bitches you know want to talk some bad bitches about what it's like to like be out there navigating life as a woman if you're single or just like solo on your journey you know um so yeah let's try to find a rhythm and a and 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 a fall into this theme of supporting uh women out there doing it the most also, I want to send a thank you out to all the men who have been supportive of this, um, and men who have just been supportive of me in general, um, people who I have uh, developed a pretty solid network of platonic male friends who um, are supporting me in ways that I'm, like, super grateful for. I feel like it's uh, challenging uh, the conditioning that I have, my fear of, like, childhood fear of men that was implemented or established in me at, at a young age, and um, and I couldn't be more grateful for you. I'm going give to you, give you all some shout outs after I uh, clarify that it's okay to use your name on the pod um, and also a uh, shout out to any um, sexual romantic partners that I have or have had who are um, who are part I mean it's kind of to my credit that I'm picking y'all because you know I'm just doing a better job these days but uh, thanks for existing you know um, you guys are you guys are rare rare and valuable So I'm always outside. Um, I'm going to encourage everybody listening to go outside and do do a damn thing. Breathe the fresh air. Sit on a log. I don't know. Fuck somebody outside. Um, sit in the dirt. Uh, touch a tree. Look up at the moon. We're probably looking up at the same moon, goddammit. Moon River. Moon River. Crossing you in style someday. Love you. Uh, quick disclaimer I am not affiliated with any of the brands that I mentioned today for equipment. If you want to email me at solofemaletravelpod at gmail.com, we can discuss a little bit more of that privately if you need recommendations for specific brands. Also, it's very important when you're camping or doing anything outside to be very careful with um, the fire regulations in your area. That does vary uh, depending on the fire district that you're camping in. So make sure that you do your research and don't have a fire when you're not supposed to. It's just not worth it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, a lot of resources go into uh, wildfire management and safety and the protection of houses and human life and uh, the life of livestock and pets. So um, just be very uh, cautious and 
and don't do anything that you wouldn't want, you know, someone to do to your land, I suppose. Um, so always remember that. Yes, check fire regulations. Check, check, check. Check. Uh, also, sometimes you're not allowed to use open flame fire uh, for cooking, so that's something to be conscious of and if you don't have access to uh, an alternative cooking source then maybe just opt for some you know cold cuts 